Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to this week's Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here with the ever traveling and ever thinking and ever turning an acorn into an oak tree, Catherine Ransom. She's the author of Ransom Notes. She is the host of this show, Ransom Notes. She's the subject of a documentary. She is the subject of a long uh, radio serial uh, prior to her doing her own podcast slash radio show. And she is wonderful. And Ransom Notes, which sometimes uh, people think of, of, of as a negative thing, uh, uh, kidnapping and things like that. These Ransom Notes are all positive. She is making the words Ransom Notes together be a very positive thing. Catherine Ransom, how are you? Well, it's a, a, it's sort of an overclass, overcloudy day, but uh, I'm inside. I have a nice warm home. And we need rain, so I guess it must be a glorious day. The Lord made it. You know, you, you said last week that you've been there for six months or five months or six months. I couldn't believe it. It feels like yesterday that uh, that you moved in there. And, you know, some days it does to us, and, and it really now has been six months and 11 days because we moved it on April 1st. But we had a fun experience last night, the our former neighbors called and invited us out to a cookout at their home, which was our, they were right on our left side of our house. And we went and had a wonderful time with some of the neighbors, including the people who purchased our home. And it was fun and it was mixed feelings. We're sitting out there in the cool air, tasting delicious food. And I'm, watching and looking at the boats that are down in the water and the pontoon that we had and thinking about all of the wonderful memories we have. But on the other hand, I'm also hearing about the wonderful things that the new owners are doing and enjoy. So it was, uh, it was mixed feelings. We got a chance to go through our home, and they have obviously made some appropriate changes and are in the process of doing that which is what they should do. But it was fun to go back and drive down the lane and say howdy. And that was good. You know, it's, it, you know, I understand the, uh, the term bittersweet when it comes to what you're talking about here. I, you know, for so many years, what was it? 44 years or something along those lines, uh, 44 years that you were the owners of that home. And it's like, this is our home. And then all of a sudden there's changes. And of course they have the right to do it. They purchased it or whatever, but there still has to be a little bit of you that, that says, Whoa, 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 (laughs) that's our home, you know? And, uh, is it, 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 it is mixed feelings, right? I mean, it's, it's a very, it's a very emotional thing to deal with. And I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, um, you know, it's it's your baby. Your home's your baby, and and for years you did exactly what you did, and now now there's new people in it. It it, it has to be a, a unique feeling. It was interesting. We had had uh, some large, but some large bulletin boards, huge, uh, yeah, six feet or so or more, were on our entrance hallway. They were there when we purchased the home, and we added our uh, dry, uh, brass rubbing 
photos, pictures, I guess we should say, that we did in England and put them down the hall and it made a, a, a very unique entrance to our house. Well, we took down and took many of the brass rubbings with us and or gave them away to friends. They came in and decided to take the bulletin boards down. To their wonderment, they found under two of them some artwork painting on the wall that apparently the previous owners to myself had put on the wall and they showed us a picture of it. It was incredible. You never know what's hiding behind a wall. And I suppose we could also say we never know what's hiding inside a person's head anymore. You know, we put a smile on our face when we don't feel very good or things aren't going well. People think you're okay, and then you get home and you really grumble and mumble or fight or whatever it is. And it was sort of, it's sort of a surprise. But it, we saw a picture of it, and it was quite interesting. And I don't, I have no idea how it got there, but we're assuming the previous owners either painted it on or did something. So it, surprises are good. Yeah, it's just I, I, amazing uh, the the emotions. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, mental, emotional, uh, the different aspects that you go into, uh, a, you know, a new home. But also, you know, having them there with uh, with your old neighbors and your old friends, it, it's nice to uh, that that they seemingly get along. Right. I mean, the the new people there and the uh, and the and the uh, the current people there, you're in a unique situation when you're neighbors with someone and uh, the fact that they fit in there nicely, uh, you know, that, that must be a good feeling for you. It really is. But the rain has started really pouring here, so it's time for us to switch subjects. I think l last week or recently, we talked a bit about our trip that we did to the Southwest, five national uh, parks that our government has graciously provided and uh, they are such a wonder of the Lord to, to visit and so forth. And, uh, but I was writing about it and, and, and came up with this sort of three-word topic. And it's called hoodoos, condos, and an ant. Yeah. And I thought maybe I'd just share just a wee bit about the fact that as we went through the West, we saw the hoodoos. Now, do you know what a hoodoo is? Hoodoo. H-O-O-D-O-O. H-O-O-D-O-O. Are they uh, are they an indigenous people uh, in in the valley there or no? Well, that's an interesting supposition. They're actually some of the uh, stone projections uh, that come out of the the ground. Out of the they're nature, though, right? It's uh, they're they're not created by uh, by artists. They're created by nature, right? And it's this sandstone that has been formed by uh, the rains coming down and washing off some of the lighter weight uh, sandstone, the freezing ice, and then when it thaws, that also causes part of it to break away. And so, when you first go into the Grand Canyon or Bryce Canyon or some of those years ago, it would have just been a solid wall, and then it started breaking down until you had oh maybe arches or you had some other formations. Then it moves to a place that they call um, fins, and, and they're referring to like a fin on a fish, and it's a 
sequence of smaller projectiles coming out of the ground. And then when they finally break down, <clears throat> and there's just basically one with lots of separation between it, they call them hoodoos. And often they have a large stone on the top that has remained because maybe it had harder rock under it. I'm not a geologist, so if my if my description isn't perfect, I apologize to our audience. But you wonder how in the world this big boulder is uh, remaining on the top of this pedestal. And so the hoodoos and the fins, that's what you really look at as you come into these uh, national parks. And I'm guessing that most all of our audience has seen some pictures of the redstone, and it's just magnificent, and the sun shines on them. Well, so that was one thing that we spent lots of time, <clears throat> excuse me, lots of time viewing. And then when we were at Bryce, <clears throat> we had another experience that was reasonably unique. Uh, the, the, the giant bird, the condor, has almost become extinct. And the National Park and uh, uh, other, other organizations set out to see if they could help that condor survive because it is the largest bird, apparently, that we have in North America. Yet wingspan is somewhere nine feet, which is you know, it's probably taller than you are yeah. if you stretched you out to the right. And this bird weighs somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 pounds, and it's hard to think of a, of a flying object, a human, you know, a, a live uh, object flying around at 20 pounds with nine-foot nine wingspan. And, and so they went through some procedures to uh, work with the, the few remaining condors, captured their eggs, carefully nurtured them until they produced a, a baby, uh, and then gradually help the, 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 the condor mother uh, do that for herself until, and then put her back into nature. Well, the, the guide was telling us that this mother condor that they now have in Bryce, and we saw it on the cliffside with the help of a gigantic telescope, I was unable to get a good picture of it because it was far too uh, far away, that she now has produced two babies. It takes about two or three years between each birth. And we were watching in the nest the second of those two children, and it looked like a full-blown eagle or something, you know, so the, the baby is a little big, you know, but that's okay. It's got a big mama. Yeah. Uh, and so we had this privilege of watching them fly, and the, the baby is beginning to fly. So this was part. So that was the, the piece of the, um, not only the hoodoo, but the condor. And then <clears throat> we're just about done with our trip. It's the last day that we're actually in the parks. And we'd walk some trails, and we, I was waiting a few moments before the bus would be ready to take us back home. And I'm sitting on a, a log along a trail all by myself, just thinking, reflecting on this beautiful, beautiful place that we had seen from the Grand Canyon to Mesa Verde to the, the Hoodoos. And as I sit there, I happen to glance down at the dirt 
that was right beside my log. And I notice a tiny bit of movement. And then I see one single ant with a little teeny bit of leaf or some vegetation in its mouth. And it's stumbling over the leaves and the twigs as it moves, I suppose, back to its home. Maybe it's building a nest. Maybe it's taking food to the babies. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what goes on in an ant's mind. <clears throat> but as I sat there, I thought, I have just seen some of the largest rocks in our country, some of the largest pieces of natural creation, and they're beautiful. And then I look down and I think, but the Lord made a teensy tiny little ant to be also part of his creation as it struggled and moved and tried to get where it was going. And it was sort of interesting that it's like we as people, we're all different. And some of us are large physically and small physically and our intellect may be different. And, and so that's how I sort of got back on the bus, remembering my little aunt friend. Wow. We got we got home, and in a couple of days, we were uh, invited to attend a concert that was going on at the cathedral here in town in Springfield, Illinois. And you just heard some of my thunder. Yeah. Well, that sounded pretty loud. Wow. <clears throat> yes. Well, it was probably, at least it's outside, it's not inside. <laughs> and so we were invited to hear the Grammy Award uh, opera singer, Christine Brewer. And, and she was originally from our part of, the, of Illinois, so that made it a special thing. And so we, it was a free concert, so we decided we could afford it. And we could have afforded it even if we had to pay, but it made a fun story. And we're sitting there, and suddenly as she begins to sing, the first words that come out of her mouth are, he's got the whole world in his hands. Wow. Wow. And then, of course, the next version, he's got the little bitty baby, and then he's got you and me, Frank. She didn't use the name Frank, yeah. but she says you and me. He's got the whole world. And it just tied in with my hoodoos and my condors and my baby aunt. Wow. He has them all. And he has you and me, and he has our audience. We just have to be willing to accept that and acknowledge it and not try to be so U.S. independent because the little ant needed the help from the Lord, and you and I need some help sometimes. We need to trust. So that was sort of my final thoughts about our trip, and I was so pleased that she sang that song and she then followed it with How Great Thou Art, which was the perfect next song to put with that. This wonderful Grammy Award winning opera singer, Christine Brewer. Wow. Just wow. I, I've said it a million times, the acorn into the oak tree. But you talk about it, it's almost like the Lord lined it up for you that way. So you could tell this story. And Christine Brewer, she wasn't in on it. Or maybe she was, you know, without knowing <coughs> knowing it. 
but you know, from an ant to the hoodoo to the fins, I how anyone and and again, look, everyone has the right to their beliefs, but how anybody in this world in their right minds could be an atheist. And again, I don't want to get, you know, political on it, whatever. I I I just I can't imagine them being able to to look at all the things that you just said or some of the things or one of the things that you just mentioned and say this is an accident. How could these things be an accident? These things have a design. That little ant in in its life and in the life of its families and its colleagues or whatever, I, they have a whole universe going on there. Those hoodoos, those I, the, they're not living right there. They're they're, uh, they're rocks or whatever, but they they are alive in many ways. They're they're alive for us to take those memories back. And the the canyon, uh, you know, you think of rocks and you think of something. No, well, this this isn't alive or whatever, but it's there for a reason. It, there is a design here that uh, the Lord put in place, and you are one of the people. And I'm, I, listen, I'm like you. You you want meaning to come from all of these things, and in all of these years, I I just I hope the people that don't believe in anything that they they one day just say you know what let me let me enjoy some of these things let me let me believe in something higher than myself and again i don't want to get on a soap pop uh, soap uh, soapbox but but i mean what what a magnificent world we have and you did it all in one trip and then when you come back christine brewer kind of just ties it all a nice beautiful bow on top of it what a what a I wonderful could, I, experience i couldn't believe that that's the song that we heard yeah right and um, I know that I, I don't know exactly how the world was created. I don't know whether it was done in a literal, and, and I don't particularly want to get in this no, theological no. subject, but I don't know whether it was created in seven 24-hour days or six plus a day of rest, or whether it was uh, created over umpteen thousand billions of years, but I know it didn't happen by accident. And that's the only thing of which I'm sure that there had to be. The creator has to be greater than the creation. And uh, so with that, it reminds me then of another story that we talked about uh, not long ago. And that was the tiger fish. The uh, zebra fish. The zebra. zebra, I'm sorry. Well, they're sort of of similar, aren't they? You know, zebras and tigers. I don't really want to. Well, I suppose I'd rather be near a, a zebra than a tiger, but uh, but it's a good thing you're listening. Um, that that when when you look at the features of that zebra fish, and what somebody, the Lord, as He created that particular fish, it's so unique that it, it's our audience may remember that it's a fish that was native to the Himalayas. It uh, its mama lays between 200 and 400 eggs a week. It, they hatch in a couple of days. The little fish is ready for sexual maturity in two months. They're inexpensive to um, to observe, to raise, so they make a marvelous topic for research. And one of the pieces of research that is so unique about this zebrafish is that Apparently, they have many 
of their genes are very similar to our diseases that we as humans have, that they, have the, they, they could have them. But there's something really different. We can, if I cut off my fingernail, it does what? It grows back. That's right. Yeah. But if I cut off my finger, what happens? No, nothing. You, you That's right. Now, contrary to the zebrafish, they have regeneration poss possibilities of many of their bo body parts, th their brain, their skin, their pancreas, and then one of the most interesting, if their eye, the retina of their eye cells, get injured in some way, that zebrafish, with the Lord's help, regenerates and makes a new eye. Now, if you know that this fish is inexpensive, fast-growing, and a perfect subject for research, people are doing research on it. So I write about that. Well, two nights ago, uh, or two or three nights ago, I was at a party. The person sitting next to me is almost blind. Her sister lives in Concordia, and she is almost blind. And Concordia is where I live. And we get to talking, and she shares, you know, you went and read your ransom notes about the, tiger, the zebrafish, yeah. including the regeneration of the eye. She shared it with me, the friend I'm talking to at the party, and she said, talking to my neighbor, apparently he experienced some of the first research where they're beginning to work on the regeneration of part of our eyes based on things that they get, uh, the genes or whatever. Again, I'm not a scientist. Whatever they get from the zebrafish. We all who may have serious eye problems may find in the future that that little old zebrafish will help restore one of the greatest gifts that human beings have, and that's vision. But I thought, wow, you write a little story. Somebody, you read it to somebody who can't read it for themselves. They share it with a family member who can't read it for herself, who chats with the next door neighbor, and it comes back around that it may be hope for all of us. Isn't it interesting how stories go round and round and suddenly you know more and it all fits together? Amazing. Yeah, just listen, just absolutely amazing. But you're absolutely right. That stood with me, the, the zebrafish. And I looked into to it afterwards. Uh, and it, they, have, they, they have so many interesting things about them, the zebrafish. Like they, the, uh, and if I'm remembering this correctly, that from a psychological standpoint, um, psychologists have studied the the zebrafish and, and discovered that they have an episodic memory. I, I don't even know how they would go about learning that. I guess you know through mazes or, or through uh, experiences, you know, feeding them certain ways or whatever. But that that a zebrafish has an episodic memory. But your explanation of the zebrafish it's so funny that you brought this up i have uh, dear friends of mine 
their five month and and again uh, th- this is amazing but their five month old baby has eye cancer in both oh. of her eyes and oh. one of the eyes was just cleared by by laser and she'll be fine the other one has to she's going through chemotherapy but i thought i and i i, I just couldn't put my finger on on what the fish was and i was going to ask you to, is that amazing that because we didn't talk about this i was going to ask you about and and i was thinking the zebra fish that's what it was the zebra but you, you it, it's amazing i want to talk to them about by the way they they caught it early the good news is that uh, is is that they caught it very early and and she's going to be fine and she's going to have in one of her eyes uh, she'll have 70 uh, she's going to lose 78% of her her vision but she's going to not know what that was like beforehand so she's going to adjust and the lord will will help her get it through and they're very religious folks and they're very spiritual minded and uh and they looked at it very positively you know and whatever but it's it's amazing that you're bringing this up because uh, we just found out about this the other day i mean just imagine that and and I'm going to talk to them about the zebra fish and just <laughs> they're going to, I, I guarantee you the mom who is all in on everything to do with with babies and certainly now with with uh, with this situation developing uh, she's going to know more about zebra fish than anybody else and the research that they're doing I'll share with us and and you what she tells me about it but I just wanted to make sure I knew what I was talking about. I don't want to go back and say, oh, there was this fish or whatever. But is that amazing that that you bring this up now? And I was trying to figure out, I was trying to figure out what the fish was, a zebra fish, and you bring it up now well, at this I, moment in time. Well, I think, uh, I, I know no details at this moment, and I need to follow through a little more. We were at a party, and it wasn't time to really talk in detail. Uh, but certainly, if I were the mother of a small child, uh, of a baby, uh, I would do some research as it relates to the early research uh, and findings of how there may be, it may be only for certain kinds of eye problems. Sure. I have no idea at this moment, but I'll tell you, if I had the little one, I would be Googling everything I could find at this moment. And it might even be that they're looking for subjects uh, for research. Um, I know personally, I would be happy at any moment to be a part of some kind of research if I thought I could help myself and or somebody else. So we'll blessings and we'll pray that perhaps uh, they find uh, what's going on and can begin to be a part of this sort of new study. I had a I had an email today, Frank, that uh, made me just a teensy bit sad and yet glad that they felt they could share with me. My friend was uh, he was a friend, especially of my brother, but when my high school days in in Missouri, and he got his doctorate, great guy, and went off in the mission field and so forth. But he and his wife are just ready to knock and open up the door as an 80-year-old. And he commented that his wife was really, really struggling with what it would be like to be 80. And the, the, the idea, I think, in her mind was, I'm done for, that at 80, you know, life is basically over. She sees pictures of older people uh, in comparison to missionaries that are still young. And I wrote back an email to them earlier this evening or this today uh, 
But I thought, you know, somehow we've got to encourage people. And I don't know how you feel about 80-year-olds, but I know you're not there, but you're not 20, that um, we that, that we still have a place. And part of it is, I, I the first thought I had is, if you can remember, Moses and Aaron, when they were getting ready to leave the, uh, lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses was 80 and Aaron, was his brother, was 83. And they're just starting out on the trip, which lasted at least 40 years before they actually, Moses didn't get to go into the Holy Land. There's a sample of somebody who certainly did things. They Now, I don't understand this next one, but Noah, they said, according to the Bible, was 600 when he started building the ark mm-hmm. and for the flood. People do still do things when they're 80. And then I think we need to flip the button that at 80, we don't do things that we were 20. I can't become as I was when I was 25, 26, youth sponsor for teenagers. I don't have that energy level right. They would drive me up the wall <laughs> as, you know, if they're just being kids. Yeah, I mean, they're doing what they're... But there are sponsors for those that may need to have words of encouragement, that may need to have a prayer set for, set, set, said for them. They may need to uh, have a cup of coffee with someone who has worked with teens years ago and just say, tell me what your biggest problems are. How are they doing? What are the joys? It may be that we need to adopt a teen, not literally. Sure. I have a mother friend who has a high school girl and triplet young boys that are probably in sixth grade or so. I'm not sure exactly where, somewhere in that area. And I've sort of adopted them. The the father doesn't come to church too much, if ever. The mother is trying to be faithful. And the daughter is bright, so she doesn't fit in just real well with her colleagues at school. And so once in a while, every month or two, we have an ice cream outing. And the mother brings her daughter, because her daughter doesn't drive yet, and we go to a little ice cream store, and I buy the ice cream, and the three of us sit there, and we talk a little bit about life, and the focus is somewhat on the high school girl, but it's also, we, you know, we're just ch- ch- sharing general things, but in the process, I'm trying to model what a Christian adult can be. What are the joys? What are the stumbling blocks? And so you can sort of squeeze some of those things in. And Sunday, we decided we needed to have another ice cream day. And one of the three triplets is standing there. What? Ice cream day? And so I may be having four ice cream days because to make this work, I don't. we can't have all four of the kids there. It needs to be focused. Sometimes we just have to stop and help one individual minister who's depressed, one senior who is so lonely. She doesn't need to be talked to with 22 because she's just going to draw inside herself and not. We have to find individuals that we need to help. 
And that's the message I sent back to my friend today. Find somebody who needs you, whether all you can do is stay in your chair and call them because you're physically not able, but your brain hasn't stopped working in the, in the situation, at least in this particular one. We, we are not flowers that need to be tossed in the dump. We are able to be witnesses. And at 50, there's a different thing that you can do in your 50s that you can do to help people. At 86, there's things I can still do. But we have to encourage people. We are not an island. That's one of the, one of the biggest challenges of the virus, I think, is that we've had to sort of isolate ourselves. And that has destroyed community, the spirit of that we each need, we're each part of that body, and we each need to help the kingdom grow. And I have a job as a little finger, and someone else has a job as an eyeball, and somebody else has a strength with a brain. We all are part of that body of Christ. So I hope that maybe I cheered up my friend, Willie, just a little bit today and helped him encourage his wife not to be depressed because the calendar is turning to year 80. Mm, wonderful. You know, one of the things that stands out, well, everything stands out, but the thing that really stands out there is that your advice was uh, find someone that you can get involved with. Now, again, often you hear that said a different way. <laughs> you hear people say find something that will keep you busy or whatever it's it's so much more beautiful that you said find someone find a person that you can make a difference on not just keeping yourself busy which by the way is important too to keep your mind going you know uh, you know find something you have passion about even at an advanced age, and eh, that's if 80 is an advanced age anymore. Look at all the things that you've done this last year. You, Catherine Ransom, have done in, in, in these last several years how productive they've been. But people are going to 100 easily, going to 100 and living nice. I mean, having, you know, we're not talking on tubes and on things like that. We're talking about living, you know, a much slower existence. But uh, things are, are so much better. But you said to your friend, find someone that you can get involved with, somebody, a young person that you can get involved with and you can help. That's beautiful. And, it, and it's so much more meaningful than just saying, hey, Get a crossword puzzle book and find something, you know, find movies you like to, you know, find someone. It's uh, what a difference it is when when you add that human touch to it and, uh, and 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 not just, hey, keep yourself busy. Find someone you could you could improve your life and their life together. Just wonderful. I've said it a million times. I've said it three. This is my third time saying it. Catherine Ransom, you could take an acorn and turn it into an oak tree within minutes. And and I always, always are remembering things that you say, and they pop into my mind, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners would, would say the same. Well, it's been fun to chat today, and I think the, the bottom line message today really is we, we do encourage seniors to do things, and they we have gyms and we have uh, places like 
Concordia where we live, where there are events happening all the time. But a lot of us, and I think naturally the Lord made us this way, is that we really do need people in addition to being able to swim or uh, work a crossword puzzle. I really think what my friend's wife is worried about is I'm losing my way to help somebody. And so I think perhaps we need to put more focus on it may not be you're teaching a large class. It may not be that you can stand on the podium and or go to the mission field and pass out and help people who are hungry or ill or whatever because we don't have that stamina. We, we do Our bodies do change, but we should be the hand that's reaching out to the next generations that are climbing the ladder. And if I do nothing else today but to encourage at least three different people in our listening audience to find someone to become special to, to help them in their road along a bumpy path. The path is always bumpy, but right now we got a lot of bumps in our path. And some of the people who need the most help are our religious leaders because there's been so much criticism, so many challenges to try and get church services back functioning, to bring the community back together. There's so many sides on whether we should or we shouldn't do this or not do that. And the ministers and the pastors and the leaders are caught in the middle. Somebody has to help them become refreshed, rewatered, and challenged before they just give up and go decide to be a truck driver. And you know, but anyway, it's been a great day. It's been fun talking to you today, Fred. Wonderful words of wisdom and uh, just fantastic. Catherine, thank you very much. And to all of you out there, uh, it just, it, you know, amazing. I, I, I brought up the reference that uh, that we had the eye issues and the, and, and the baby, and now here it is, Catherine, talking about the zebrafish. Uh, one One quick note. Uh, and I, I thought of this as Catherine was uh, was saying it. I had a detached retina back in 2012, and after I uh, I was healing, I was craving nectarines, and I don't remember ever eating a nectarine in my life. And my wife was bringing me nectarines, and I was eating them as I was face down, um, you know, waiting for this patch <laughs> to do. And uh, and and I was eating nectarines, and I was craving ne- nectarines. And then my wife, as she looked up, and she talked to the doctor, and they said nectarines. They said that's amazing. Nectarines have have uh, special nutrients that strengthen oh <laughs> that strengthen the eye socket. That uh, is what we were trying to strengthen there. And I never heard that in my life. That's the Lord speaking to me. That's that's God speaking to me and, and, and giving my body the direction what to do. It's an amazing body and it's an amazing world. And, and you know, there's there's a power higher than us, that's for sure. Catherine, thank and you that's again. A, yeah. That's a great story. That is a great. Amazing. Nectarines. I mean, of all things, nectarines. And I was just like, "Hey, can you pick up nectarines?" <laughs> she was like, "Nectarines? I've never heard you ask for nectarines in your life." And 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 they have a healing, you know, something to do with the eye and and the eye socket, and, and just amazing. Catherine, uh, God is great, and thank you for sharing.
Have a good week. Ransom notes, everyone. Get the book. Watch the documentary. Watch the visuals. We just uh, have another one coming up in the next couple of days, and you'll see some of those beautiful pictures from from Catherine's uh, trip to the Southwest Parks, the five Southwest Parks, and uh, some of the Lord's greatest creations out there. Just beautiful. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Ransom Notes.